This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. No credit card required. Enter the offer code SUPERTRAIN at checkout to get 10% off. And by Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses that you can get delivered to your door for a fraction of the price you'd pay in stores. To learn more, visit casper.com slash supertrain. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Good. How's your settings? Um, my settings are good. Now, now that I've uh, gone in and um, fixed them all, there was no reason that they should have changed. Mm-hmm. But of course, that's no explanation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it's, not, it's not that they shouldn't have changed. It's that the computer decided. And I, it has more information than I do, probably. It's, it's drawing from a lot of sources in real time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's uh, showing you things you didn't know you needed. Yeah, so it determined that everything needed to be reset and I needed to log in again using my secret password. Log in. It wanted me to log in. To, to the whole computer or just the oh, Skype? Oh, just everything. It just wants me to log into everything all the time. You might have, you might have been hacked. Uh, but you know what? 25% of what I do is logging in. Mm. And this morning, I'm checking my emails. And I realized that in a very short amount of time, how long have we had emails? How long have you been getting emails? Uh, I've been getting emails for uh, 23 years. 23 years, okay. I've been getting emails for... At least six that I can recall. Let's call it 16. You've been answering them for two. Well, (laughs) You didn't want to put yourself out there too much. I'll explain why. You know, you answer them and then your information's in the cloud. (laughs) But, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I was checking my email this morning and I realized now... I have the exact same relationship to email that I have to real mail, right? I'm sitting there in my, but I'm sitting in my virtual front yard and I am virtually sorting through a bunch of uh, uh, flyers for grocery stores Uh and uh, stuff from the uh, like six colleges that mistakenly think I want to go get a degree in in, uh, IT and uh, some, you know, it's just like I'm, I throw 90% of the email I get immediately in the garbage. And that is after spending probably 10,000 man hours meticulously adjusting my spam filters and sending, oh my God, Merlin, I'm sure you're going to roll your eyes at me, but I send unsubscribes. Every time, every time the University of San Francisco decides that I'm an alum again. Oh, are you a Jesuit? I send them. <laughs> you're no, on the, no, you're on the Gonzaga list. No, it's not that. It's not University of San Francisco. It's the University of California, San Francisco. It's one of the universities in San Francisco. Sure. Decided eight years ago that I had gone there and they cannot be put off the scent. And I and I and so I spend all this time unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. Please unsubscribe me to the thing that I didn't subscribe to. I've done all that, and still eighty to eight ninety percent of the emails I get, I just throw in the virtual recycling bin, without even going into the through the gate into my house. I just stand by the mailbox. It's like wow, the the new technology has really. It's only taken it twenty three years to become a completely obsolete technology. Yeah, email. Email. How many emails do you answer every day? You don't want to know. Three? Thirteen? You don't want to know. Zero? Three hundred? 
between three and three hundred. I, I just I just want to clarify. I, mm. I I look at my email. Yeah. You know. Oh, that's right. No, this is a different thing. Look no, no, at no, 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 no. Yeah. Well, okay. And I'm not trying to be a productivity guy. I'm just telling you what a terrible person I am. Mm. I uh, a lot of days I answer less than one email a day. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That and your productivity through the roof. Oh, I have so many thoughts about this. I really need my productivity to go through the roof. I was getting ready for uh, for the day, mm-hmm. uh, getting ready for the things I needed to do today and thinking about the things I need to do today. Now, what do you need to, on a day when you and I are recording? Yeah. Uh, isn't it, isn't the, the recording of this podcast sort of a, such a bright sun that you can't even see the other stars? Probably four out of five of them, yeah. Yeah. But there's that one, there's Venus or whatever that you can see. Even there's the ones the we can't put out. There's the ones that, you know, no, we don't actually, we put out almost all of them now, haven't we? We, we haven't, we haven't not put one out, put one out in a long time. Remember, remember the, remember when it seemed like every other one we weren't putting out? Yeah. When you get to minute 80 yeah. and you start going, <laughs> oh no, oh no. Cause something, happens, something special happens at minute 80. Cause yeah. that's where somewhere in your mind, you, I assume have some unconscious gate gateway where you're like i can either start winding this down or i can triple down (laughs) (laughs) um well okay this is in those moments is you are saying you're in every tone in your voice you're just saying no 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 why just wind it up we're at minute 80 this is already a good episode Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's a good point john Uh, uh any kind of bell any uh kind of bell (laughs) give me something funny Something funny I can end on. Did I ever tell you about Hitler's sex dungeons? And you're like, no, 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 no. I I would love to hear about that. uh, Here's how my day goes. I've been been working on sleep again. And so I've been kind of a bad dad where I sleep in later than I should in the mornings. And my my wife ends up doing a lot of the heavy lifting in the morning. And I'm trying to work on that. So I'm, I'm trying to adjust to going to bed earlier, which is difficult because, as I've said numerous places, including here, I've fallen back into a pattern of really enjoying the time after my kid goes to bed where I can, like, watch movies. Mm-hmm. And I'm very selfishly watching movies and TV shows. And if I don't keep an eye on that, I will do that very easily until 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to get to where, like, I want to go to bed before midnight, ideally 10.30. Long story short, oh. got up today. I slacked my way through the morning with the family. I didn't really do anything of consequence. So I got to get ready for the day. What do I have to do? I have to record two podcasts today. Wait, get, what's your other podcast? You, do you don't care. Uh, I, I got two, two podcasts I have to record today. And I have to get the sponsors ready for our show. I have to do the reads for that. I have to do the sponsor reads for another program, the third program that I do. I do five. And uh, it's all, all not, right. nothing, nothing difficult, but it's all stuff that has to be done. It's like the, the television program Lost. We think about, I don't know if you ever watched that program, no. but, uh, but uh, there's a point uh, when the show still made a, a modicum of sense where there's a guy who sits in an underground cavern, in like an underground, like, you know, lair, mm-hmm. and every few minutes he has to type a sequence of numbers into a computer. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for a while, all we know is, boy, he's really got to get those numbers punched in or there's going to be problems. And then, and then my, my understanding is it all turned out to just be that every episode was totally just had no connective tissue. It's really, really complicated. Yeah. <laughs> but, now, now let me ask you, Art, which, yeah. which, what, uh, this, is a, this, is, uh, this is an argument that Sean Nelson and I used to have a lot. 
We would go to the movies. You and, you and Sean would argue sometimes. We used to have arguments. Little, little but, disagreements, little gentlemen's disagreements. But we never took it all the way to having a podcast, which is what you should do when you have disagreements with somebody. Mm-hmm. But we would go to see the movies, and you know, Sean was a, a cinephile and, uh, and studied movies or whatever, and, I, and we would go see a film, and I would come out of the film, and I would say, that movie had no redeeming qualities. It was a garbage movie. Would he sigh? He would sigh, and he would say, and then we'd start arguing. And he would say, no, 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 it was a great movie. And I would say, it, not only can you not defend the statement it's a great movie, you can't even defend my assertion that that movie should be burned in the public square. Yeah. And he would say, this is what he would say, what about that one tracking shot oh, that's, that where in one long view they took in the whole, the army marching through the valley and then it's panned over here and then... It, settled on an eagle in its area and then there were some clouds and a rainbow and i'd be like seriously you're going to defend this movie based on some the technicality of one long tracking shot mm. but he was seeing the trees for the forest or whatever you know he it didn't matter to him that the that the the plot was garbage the dialogue was garbage the the acting was garbage they had this tracking shot he was seeing all these other elements that he was appreciating. It's almost like he's watching a different movie in some ways. He's very much watching a different movie because, because, I mean, it's not that he doesn't also know that dialogue matters and script matters or whatever, but he decides at a certain point in the film that that's not what he's looking for anymore or that this movie stands, this is a valid enough movie on some technical basis that that it that it's in the category of like good movies. And I've had a lot of people say about Lost to me, even now knowing that it's gibberish, they still recommend that I watch it because it's such a fun watch. Yeah. And I'm and I pull my hair out. I look I, I almost shout at them. It's a it's like, a it's a very different way of thinking about at least media and possibly the world. Yeah, I, I feel like it is a worldview because, I, you know, my feeling is like life is short enough. Mm-hmm. If you are only queuing up to watch just the things that everyone agrees are brilliant, why would you subject yourself to hours upon hours of watching a thing that has no, that makes no sense, that has no point other than that some people had a lot of money and didn't think a thing through? And, uh, you know, and so that it feels like a, it feels like a worldview difference where maybe I don't understand, but, but, uh, the idea, I mean, if someone put, if someone put me in a room that just had blank, it was one of those, uh, one of those silent rooms that makes you insane. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with this, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things that sounds like it would be relaxing, but it's actually a cause of insanity. Right. If, you, if, your, if your brain, it's like, it's like people like, uh, like uh, William Hurt freaking out in the uh, relaxation box. The relaxation, uh, uh, it's not a box. It wasn't a box. It was, it was a, a, tub. Uh, a tub, right? Yeah, I've been, I, I've been in those. It's pretty weird. Seems to me like one of those isolation tubs is, is that ticks like six out of seven boxes for me. It's, it's little, it's dark, it's mm. wet. It's mm. a lot of things you don't like. Well, I don't like little. You don't mind being wet if it's an open tub. In fact, that's something you yeah. look forward to and possibly bring a sandwich and a desk. And, you know, I don't mind it being dark. Mm. But anyway... Uh, you don't mind it being dark even if you can't really exactly, like, control the dark? Well, no, I want to This is a Lockean problem. I, yeah. I think when you, when you know you can't change the dark, I think it makes the dark worse. Yeah, no, I want to be able to, I want to, be able to banish the dark yeah. and let in the light on my 
terms. But uh, but yeah, yeah, all by way of uh, saying that uh, that it, it it feels to me like if I was in an isolation cube and I was going crazy from lack of stimulus, and someone said, "Here's some relief," you should watch episode, Buffy. The, you should watch Buffy the the Vampire Slayer. Well, now uh, you know people in my s- circle, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about my inner circle. Okay, uh, are proponents loud proponents of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and it's, it's, it, this is a worldview all of the spin-offs the, the, oh the spin-offs the one of the a vampire guy and the one of the other vampire guy I mean sure. I don't know anything about it but I guess they all have vampires in them it's right in the title yeah so you're saying that Buffy the Vampire Slayer is also a worldview I'm not sure what this has to do with my morning mm. but uh, I carry around a certain amount of uh, background baseline guilt that a lot of my friends, uh, and you know how it is, so there's always also the thing with age, where like if you missed your window for something, you're going to yeah. have to go back and like mop up. Like it's hard to tell an 80-year-old man you should listen to ELO. Like even though ELO is, is an unimpeachably great band with at least yeah. a dozen terrific classic rock songs, yes, that's, he missed his ELO window. How did you feel about, uh, about Dukes of Hazzard? Uh, I was a massive fan. I dressed, I dressed like Bo Duke to the extent that my budget would allow. Really? Yeah, I, I adopted a, a certain. Uh, yeah, I, I did. I, I dressed like Bo Duke. I, I feel like I dressed like it, Bo it was, Duke. It was super gay. I looked. I looked really stupid. I was. A, I was a fat kid wearing a turtleneck with a flannel shirt over it. <laughs> I looked. I looked like I was producing something off off Broadway. The uh, the the statement. I looked like Bo Duke to the extent that my budget would allow. Yes. That that line actually would fit into the Waylon Jennings Dukes of Hazard thing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, right. You're right. At well, the end of the like, verse. Dressed, dressed like just Bo as Duke well as he could, as the budget allowed. <laughs> would allow. Uh, yeah. Take uh, uh, a so, turtleneck. Drape a filson on. Did I ever tell you that I was in a bar in Belgium one time, a country bar, and like the band was playing, uh, and they played the Dukes of Hazard theme? The, the Ballad of the Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, and I went up after the show, and I was like, that was great. You guys did a great job of the Dukes of Hazard theme. And none of them spoke English. They had just they were just singing it phonetically, like Abba. Yeah, like Abba. Uh, so, so you're you're mourning. Oh no, it's okay. Uh, I'll get back to it. I want to get back to Desmond. Um, so it uh, doesn't really matter. No, Buffy okay, okay. But, but here's 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 part of the problem. I think what you're saying. Let's try and pop the stack here. We're talking about something that's uh, that's very difficult, and it's something I, I have actually discussed at length in other places, which most people haven't heard because nobody can listen to all the media. There's too much right. media. Right. So part of the media problem is that you end up having to find rabbis and sherpa. I don't know what the plural of sherpa is. Sherpa. You, you've got to find Sherpe who are able to guide you with taste and interest and to give you... See, like I personally, I increasingly find it not that helpful when someone says something like, and I'm just picking this randomly, oh my God, you should totally watch How to Get Away with Murder. I and then like I, say, what, is, I say, what is that? This is 70% of the conversations I have in the world. Or, oh or God, any of the other totally. Shonda Rhimes properties, n- none of which I have ever seen, mm-hmm. because I don't watch that kind of television. But mm-hmm. no, no, don't. I'm not racist. I just mean I don't watch network television as a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't have appointment viewing. I don't have cable. So, like, anyway, that, that's again, that's part of my ELO window. Like, I missed yeah. that window. Did now, you watch Making a Murderer? Making a Murderer. Oh yeah, I I, I watched all but the last episode. Oh, you got all the way to the last episode. I, I couldn't. It was. I couldn't do it. It made me genuinely very, very sad to watch that show. Mm-hmm. And I know, I understand that like a lot of it was probably a little bit doctored, 
But it was, it's one of those things where, like, again, it's the kind of thing people will point out. You know, black people have known this for years that maybe the justice system doesn't work so much like a Swiss clock and so mm-hmm. much like a Swiss cheese. Write that down. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty good, huh? Arr. This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter the offer code SUPERTRAIN at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. When it comes to giving yourself a place online, there's nowhere better than Squarespace. They put all the power you need into your hands and take away all the pain points, stuff like worrying about hosting, scaling, or what to do if you get stuck with something. With Squarespace, you can build a site that looks professionally designed regardless of skill level, and there is no coding required. With their intuitive and easy-to-use tools, you can make your website look and feel exactly how you want. Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology to power your site, and to ensure security and stability, they are trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected companies in the world. Their site templates are just, they're stunning to look at. They all feature responsive design. That means they're going to look great on any, any device of any kind, any size. You don't have to do anything. It just works. Now, this is just getting started. Squarespace has tons of awesome features. They have 24 by 7 support with live chat and email. They have the Squarespace commerce platform that allows you to add a store to your site and sell stuff that you uh, want to sell. Pretty cool. You can have the cover page functionality. That means you can build great looking single page websites. The whole thing's rock solid. They got fast hosting. There's so much more. And if you want to stretch Squarespace even further into the nerdosphere, you got to check out their dev platform. This is what lets you dig into the code of your site and tinker with your Squarespace website behind the scenes. You will get code all over your hands, but you'll never have been happier. Cool thing is if you sign up for your year, uh, year with Squarespace, you also get a free domain name. That means you get to choose exactly what your site is going to be called. And the Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month. This is one of the best deals in town. Roderick on the Line is hosted on Squarespace. We've been with them for years. I'm a huge fan and evangelist of their stuff. I just think Squarespace is the best. So go on in and start your trial site today. With no credit card required, you go to squarespace.com. Now, when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, pay, pay, pay for your site like a gentleman, make sure to use the offer code SUPERTRAIN at checkout, and that's going to get you 10% off your first purchase, and it will show your support for Roderick on the Line. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. I'm still trying. I'm still uh, uh, churning on popping the stack. Yeah. That, we'll, we'll get back to that after I talk about my morning. Okay. So okay. Uh, the problem is I miss my window because it's, it's like a lot of things. We're like, you know, like you and uh, you watch uh, Star Trek New Generation. Yeah. And so like for me, that came on almost precisely as I was starting college, where even if I did have a TV that I could watch – it would be very extremely low on my list to set aside time in the evening to watch a Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there's nothing against the Star Trek properties. Oh, and you're it, telling me that you skipped Star Trek uh, next, next Gen? I kid about this, but I'm here to tell you that I can honestly tell you, I can tell you from memory, I've seen three full episodes of the original series, possibly maybe ten. Whoa. I have seen, I think, maybe two or three of the new generation, which is what it's called. Um, and so you don't, you don't know about the sexism of the Ferengis. Oh no, but I know there's there's four lights. Four, oh, four lights. Now you don't you don't cop to this, but, no. but you were you enjoyed Star Trek. You've, you've mentioned it in your songs. I have not mentioned it in my songs. You've when me- you've I- referenced you've re- referenced the Star Treks in a song. Well, what song did I reference a Star Trek? So didn't you? Do you know you do those really those 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 terrible awesome like puns in your songs? That's great. It starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and Star Trek. Star Trek Ferengi sexism problem. 
Uh, what puns do I have in songs? I don't you know how you like you do. You do bullshit like a, 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 angels, Russians. Oh, all right. You do that, things like that's, that. That's well, one example. But that's, that's not my point. You know, I enjoy that in your songs. You piece of shit. I was example. I was a fan of you before anybody knew who you were. Sean Nelson yelled at me about that line. I love that like, line. That, he said that's corny. That you whole that whole song. I, I someday I will get the guts to ask you what the fuck that song is about. But I, for now, I in, enjoy. You know, thinking about the whatever the tall chickens or whatever. Yeah, right. Okay, so that wasn't a pun, but yeah, I was a fan. I was a fan of your music before anyone cared about you. I know you don't have to tell me. I God remember damn sitting, it! You slept remember, in my house in your underwear so many times. I remember sitting in the other room and listening to you listen to my second record, which I should, oh yeah, we listened to the first minute of it. I should describe to everybody <laughs> what, what it's like to have Merlin listen to your brand new record. You took you me into in the hands. dining room. You took me into the dining room with like a, probably a Walkman. And you're like, hey, this is something extremely special. Okay, Here's I know. new record. It's not out yet. This is these are demos of our next record, and it's gonna it's it's a really big deal. These are like rough. They were rough, not demos, but they were rough cuts of yep. the early songs. Some of which made it on, some of which didn't. Some of which became the theme song for our program, right. which I happen to love. Josh is wrong. It's a fantastic song, and uh, and I was like, oh my god, this is great. Mm-hmm. And I sat there with your Walkman. And uh, you want to describe what I did? Here's what he does. Here's, here's what he does. <laughs> Thanks, John. Um, you listen to the first 20 seconds of a song. Yeah. And then you fast forward to the next song. Here, here, here are the first 20 seconds of the next one. You hear the first 20 seconds of the next one. And then you, you, then you, go, then you go to the first song. Or no, then you go to the third song. Then you go back to the first, first song. You listen to 20 seconds of them at a time. And I was so incredulous and horrified. And I was like... Merlin, these songs are meant to be listened to all the way through. It's not you don't skip around. And you were like, no, 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 no. I, and Madeline uh, grabbed me by the arm and took me into the kitchen, and she said, "Listen, this is how he does it. Just don't. You don't. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I mean, like so many, many apologies she's made on your behalf. Yeah. And uh, and I had to leave you alone. I had. I think I may have had to have gone and stood on the back porch and smoked cigarettes uh-huh. because I could not a fathom or b. Uh, Suffer. Endure. Endure. Uh, this, this process by which you consumed my, my, um, my baby, my, the, chi- the, my the new child. The streaming age must be tough on you, John. I have no idea how to use it. Okay. It's all, it's all in the Claude. It was a line in which song? I've only had a, one cup of coffee, so I may not get this. It was the one you make, you talk about an, don't you talk about an alien race on one of the songs? Don't you mention like, uh, what's the ones that not, they're not Vulcans? And they're not. Uh, oh, wait a minute! Now. You mentioned. Um, yes, I do. Which song is that? It's uh oh uh, Romulans. I do talk about Romulans. Let me see what Romulan looks like. I talk about Romulans one time. I mentioned Romulans one time. Oh, look at the Romulans! Yeah, yeah. they look like a Vulcan kind of. They're very. They're related to Vulcans. Are they? Okay. Yeah, they're like Vulcan cousins. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, they're all like right. bad Vulcans. Bad Vulcans. Yeah, and uh, and are, I, are they I, creatures of logic, John? I believe that they they are yes. I I I was using Romulans in that uh, in that mo- uh, moment to describe a certain kind of hipster of the time. Oh, in a Hobbesian sense. Uh, yeah, the, the the hipsters that are that are that are gradually sinking into the mire, chewing on one another's shin bones. No, this this the the uh, the hipsters that looked like Romulans. I mean, there was a there was a whole era there, early emo. Days. Oh, you know you're right. You are right? really right. Where it was like Romulan fashion was what what uh, the, the uber hip kids were into. So when I said Romulans, I was just making a dig, and you know there are none of those in my songs. 
I'm never making any digs at anybody. Oh no, no, you're you're just you're just the uh, the all-seeing eye. You're the you're the uh, musical panopticon. That's right. That's right. I'm the Bentham of indie rock. Mm. You're stuffed and, and sitting in a in a box somewhere. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, that's right. I'm trot out Bentham. I'm the I'm the head of uh, I'm the head of St. John. My goodness, a, your your songs are so interesting. New morning, you lazy eye. Two Romulans over. Cruel after when Katie died. Duel over my cold shoulder. That's right. And that's not even a long winter song. Oh no, it is. It is. It is. It became one. It became. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Walla played the drum machine on that. Two Romulans over. You got you got Sean Nelson doing Yamaha keyboard and harmony. Yeah. You're doing the other, and someone someone called Robbie uh, Lodermeyer is playing drums. That's a great drum part on that. Uh, yeah, it's well. So it was a it was a thing where we had the we had the drum machine and then Robbie played to the drum machine, which is I think the first time that happened on one of our records, and I was very interested in it. Can I pay you a compliment? I I think that that's, that's a terrific song. It's a terrific album. Thank People you. who enjoy the worst you can do is harm, which is which is one of the uh, greatest uh, indie rock song albums of the last twenty years. Uh, should also go and check out the worst you can do is harm. I'll cut this out. Uh, but that that one strikes me as a particularly wonderfully manic Chris Walla produced song. I think it worked on that one. The Chris Walla sound really worked on that one. It did, although we had a lot of disagreements about it. You it's know, a I, weird. It's a like I'm thinking about. Doesn't it have some weird like kind of Eno esque like gaty things going on it's got a really weird sound to it am yeah, i remembering it right i played the bass on it too which is which is additionally weird. oh look at that you did but you know the uh the there are there's some flanging that happens in that song that was a result of a, a very old ibanez flanger pedal called the frying pan <laughs> which is a <laughs> Is a super vintage. <laughs> you wouldn't see that on the market today, probably. Well, not for not not affordably. Uh, it was like a, I had these Ibanez pedals, like a black finger and a and a frying pan. Did they make the tube screamer? Was that Ibanez? Yes. Yeah, but these 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 pedals are pre tube screamer, so they're they're the size of a box of chocolates. Oh, look at this thing! This yeah. this looks this looks like uh, like Soviet technology. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it and they were gorgeous. And the thing about this flanger is that. It had a it had a sweep that even modern digital flangers, all these flangers that have a thousand parameters you can you can change. I've still never heard a, a flanger that had the sound of this frying pan. The sweep was like from all the way. Right, like where, not 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 where it sounds like a new wave song, but where it's atmospheric and real and just really analog and. And and it was this beautiful piece of gear, and I used it on that song. And then there's nothing you can't replace it, right? You can't go buy some modify uh, some modded uh, you know, line six thing to accomplish this sweep. And I and I sold that pedal because even at the time in 2001 it was worth 350 bucks. Really? And uh, and now I'm like, I mean, it's a dumb thing to have kept in a closet all these years, but but. When you find a piece of something that can actually do something that nothing else can do, mm-hmm. that's those are the ones that you that you don't sell. Mm. But I mean, I'm priced out of the frying pan market now. So, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer came on at a time when I was very into music on many levels and spending a lot of time on music. The TV that I was into, I'm gonna say, was probably what, probably still The Simpsons. Seinfeld, Mr. Show. Yep. Um, but the idea of being at that time 
well, when did that come out? Late 90s? So the idea of being like a 30-something-year-old man and watching a show about a teenager who kills vampires was very unappealing to me. Did you like the movie? I didn't see the movie. Oh, see, the movie was good. Yeah. I saw the movie. It was a, I don't know whether I saw it ironically or whether I saw it, I'm, it must have been somewhat ironically. I think everything we did in the 90s was ironic. That's the thing. You're, you've, got it, you've got it right. It was, it was ironic, but it was also, that's the only way I consumed things. That was a good movie. Right. Oh, that was, that let's was go see Buffy old. the Vampire Slayer. But it was actually really good. I liked it. Yeah. yeah it's so, a different Buffy, though. And I, I don't know. I don't know if that has uh, all, the, all the original vampires in it. Well, but, so I didn't watch the show, but I know a lot of people who did. Anyway, I should move on. All I'm saying is, like, I feel like I should watch it, but then I also get this vibe from people that's like, oh, it gets a lot better, you know, in later seasons. You got to kind of go through. And it's like, today, that's difficult. That's difficult because there's so much stuff where, like, you know, like, stuff will drop on Netflix where, like, every episode is so good. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like, and then, so setting aside the time, like, say, oh, I'm going to go find an hour to go watch an episode of Daredevil or whatever. But it's like, you know, no, you, you're like, you're in, in for a diamond for a dollar. Like, you're right. probably going to watch that whole thing. In fact, Netflix, I think, has gotten rather canny about being able to determine how successful something will be based on what other people watched, how much of it they watched, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. you're using science on our television. Oh, I know they are. They are peeping at you. And then they're using that to sell things to you. This is a thing I've just been realizing. This what are they selling a, to you on, on Netflix? Oh, the, the internet. The internet. Oh, it's just the whole idea of that. You yeah, know. yeah. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, you know, somebody asked me the other day, like, what I thought about the grand sweep of Mad Men. And I was not, obviously not embarrassed, but I was chagrined to say that at the end of the first season of Mad Men, I found it to be so nihilistic that I never watched it again. So I've only watched yeah. one season of Mad Men because nihilism is not the thing that I'm that I'm consuming media for. Or, or, I have enough of it. But you're also like in that case, it's one thing to say like you're going to go watch, like you're going to read a Cormac McCarthy book or something and say, you know what, I'm in for the nihilism on this one. Yep. And then when I'm done, I close the book and I go look at another thing. Yep. With this, you're going like, wow. I mean, you, you're going to watch an hour of this. No, you're going to watch whatever twenty of these, and then you're going to watch that for five, six seasons. Yeah. You know that that was me in The Walking Dead, which is now one of my favorite, improbably is one of my favorite shows. I look really look forward to it. My hand of Christ, I could not watch it. For my wife's been into it from the beginning. I can't watch it. It was too much. And now zombies. it's zombies. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's really surprisingly realistic, very grim. And like all these great things, it's kind of about zombies, but it's really about the people and how mm -hmm. they react in the aftermath. But that took me a long time because it was impossibly, as you say, nihilistic. Yeah. Um, the, the, the problem for me is yeah. that I'm I'm so disinterested in zombies. The only thing I'm less interested than zombies is people. Okay. Oh right? no, this is this is not. You should not put this on your uh, on your on your Netflix thing. in my queue in my queue. No, I shouldn't queue that up. You should watch the Predestination movie. Um, it's got some good scenes in it. Mm -hmm. So Desmond, a lot of sweeping tracking shots, sweeping tracking shots, and all oh, the cinematography, mm, magnifique. So Desmond had a uh, a volley in the market store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, bought a twenty carat diamond ring. Mm -hmm. No, what about Desmond? Oh no, I'm, I just thought I was gonna say I'm Desmond because Desmond Desmond's job is on this island. He has to go sit in this hole, and every hundred and eight minutes has to retype this series of numbers. Otherwise, something bad happens. Uh -huh. Otherwise, yeah, something bad. Right. Happens. So that's sounds, basically sounds like a story that some kids are making in a cardboard box that they cut windows in. <laughs> it was a night okay. just like this. Okay, you're Desmond, and you have to type <laughs> a million types, and then I will be a ghost monster who lives with a lion. 
I won't come in here unless you stop typing. Yeah. But that's basically, I'm trying to say that that's, that's an analogy because that's how I feel like my life is. My life is not difficult at all. Basically, I just have to type something every 108 minutes. But if I don't type it every 108 minutes, there's going to be problems. Uh... So this is why I tend to say in other places that I don't think of myself as busy. I think of myself as time constrained because I've got to be at the keyboard to type every 108 minutes. So right. like, you know, th- you know what I'm saying though? I'm, I'm not trying to be overly cute or clever here. I think that's a condition of a lot of people today is like, there's, it, it isn't like you have to, what are some of the things people always pull out of their ass? You don't have to like go mine coal, right? You get to go be seated and do stuff. I'm not saying what I do is difficult, but it is, there is a certain schedule and regularity to it. And what you're saying is that like, I think that most of my time crunch problems could be solved if I could stop time. Because if I just stopped, or not if I stopped time, if there were four extra hours in a day, right? Because I want to sleep for eight hours, but I also want to stay up until four in the morning, but I also want to get up at 8 a.m. Oh, right. You got like two or three problems. Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't want to go to sleep before 4 a.m. for some reason, because that is what my body says. Your body's telling you. I also want to get eight hours of sleep, but I want to get up at eight in the morning so I can join the world and be with other people. Yeah. And so what I need is just four extra hours that are just completely reserved for the additional four hours of sleep I need. That's but the what, modern condition, though, is you kind of, I mean, not saying you are expressly saying this, but in, in a similar dilemma, I feel like I, in that similar situation, I actually want to be three different people. Because yeah. there, there's, certainly, let's take it as red, there is the person who just for whatever reason likes to stay up late. I have, for most of my life, with, you know occasional needs to do otherwise been somebody who likes staying up late let's take that yes. as its own thing if i yes. could go to bed at three i would go to bed at three because three is when i want to go to bed mm-hmm. but then you also want to be the person let's say then you want to be the person who gets up early being the person who gets up early and the person who goes to bed early they're related but different people yes because the the get up early in the morning person is the ultimate aspirational personality yep here we go to right? charge the day let's do it well, i'm done i've had half a cup of coffee and a, and a scone I don't need any more because I'm going to the gym. I'm doing Pilates before I go to work. You got to. You got to work on your core. And then, uh, but then the going to bed early person, like that's, that's in some ways the, the real monk. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the personality who sets all those things aside and says, well, I just go to bed at 945 because that's what I do. Yep. Tucking myself in here. Got my PJs on, pulling right. that sheet up under my chin. Do you think your mom suffers from this at all? It seems like she's got this all well, pretty much on lock. Well, no. I mean, she's a person that only needs four hours of sleep because that's what happens apparently when you get to be an elderly person. Right. But also when the sun goes down, she starts to wind it down because so smart. it's like farm people, right? When the sun gets up, you've got to get out and make a, you know, you're burning daylight, mm-hmm. right? But as soon as the sun goes down, I think that she thinks like, well, you know, the oil in these lamps isn't free. Right. Keep burning keep burning this oil and uh, burn, especially burn the midnight oil. That's an interesting way to look at it because if you think about it, and not, not to put too fine a point on it, but if you think about it in terms of, let's say you are somebody like living on a farm in Ohio and you do have limited resources and you do have stuff you need to do, you start to feel maybe a little bit like you're, you're taking debt, taking mm-hmm. on a certain amount of debt. You're burning these resources to do what? Were you burning those resources so you can watch season one of Vampire, Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Well, you got to be making biscuits at 3.30. So you maybe want to think twice about that. You're like kind of hurting yourself two or three different ways. Yeah. I mean, all of the work that you, this is, and I think it's uh, probably true. I don't, it might even be true of people that listen to our program. But if your work, if your work is done outside, it is completely daylight dependent. And 
so yeah, your, your interaction with the world is so much different than mine, which nothing I do is daylight dependent. In fact, it's much better done cloaked in darkness. So, but, but it sounds to me like your time management thing, th this idea that every 120 minutes you have to type into a computer, you wouldn't, you wouldn't benefit from four extra hours that happen in the middle of the night because you're, you have to right. be, you're tethered. No, that's not strictly true. I mean, that, that, I'm stretching the analogy here, but what, all I meant to say was that like on a Monday morning, I know there's stuff that's got to happen. We have an orthodontist appointment today, so I have to remember to put the retainers in my backpack because I'm going to take her, oh, I'm going to take her to school, af, take her to, to their after school. I need that with me. You know what I mean? Yep. My, my whole thing I do of kind of walking through the day, I'm thinking about do I have the ad spots read or I got her. None of these things are difficult, but like it doesn't take that, it's kind of fault intolerant. Where like if I do something as simple as forget to put the retainers in the backpack, uh -oh. like that really screws up this one part of the day. Not irretrievably bad, but you know, even when everything runs perfectly, it's still kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. But you yeah. know, I'm on my way. I'm doing my thing. This is all getting me back to a really uh, dumb point I didn't even really need to make, which is my phone rings. How do you feel about your phone ringing in the morning? Ugh. I hate it when my phone rings. It's only it can only be bad news. Uh, yes. That's that's how they get you. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, and of course, it's, a, it's an, it used to be when you got, uh, let's just say, nuisance calls or unwanted calls, it was almost always from unknown or from blocked or from whatever, which I felt perfectly fine to just ignore and let go to voicemail. Yeah. The new technology, I don't know if you get this with a 206, I get this with a 415, where I'll get one coming in that's actually shocking, shockingly close to my own phone number, and I'm like, oh, God, yeah, I can't not pick this up and then and then I start fighting myself because I'm going you know it this is this is this is uh Lucy and the football all over again I yep. know I know it's going to be a robocall about credit cards or mm. mortgages or whatever and I, I fight myself on it. I fight myself but now my heart starts beating because I'm like yeah. oh, what am I going to do what am I going to do so I let it go to voicemail I go and google the phone number which is always the first thing I do before I pick up any call right makes sense I've done it uh, yeah it's a credit card thing it's it's a fake credit card scam thing yeah. But like now I'm already a little bit off my game because now I've had to stop what I'm doing, stare at the phone, get anxious, and then go search Google. I realize this this very clearly illustrates what a fragile person I am. Uh -huh. But like that's already throwing me off my game now. You know, that's the kind of thing though where like that's that's it's not dissimilar from the mail right. or the email, which is like and, and this is this does shade into my former uh, profession as a uh, retired productivity guru. It's like as long as there is anything anywhere that you might need to know about you've got to fret about it a little bit. Yeah. So amidst, so you know what we do, buddy? Every every afternoon, early evening, I go down and there's a giant pile of Safeway flyers yes. by our mail slot. And you know what yes. I got to do? I got to pick up and look through every sure. Safeway flyer to be sure there was not, not a, a piece. There's not a check in there. Or, or whatever. Like yeah. the, 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 make sure there's not a piece of real mail that got fanned into the Safeway flyer. I feel like every year, the degree to which I am just slightly... Uh, over my budget, my yearly budget, yeah, is uh, is down to the fact that I threw away a couple of really big checks that were tucked into a Safeway flyer. I think about it a lot. You know, where it's like, well, if I just had ten thousand more dollars, and I bet you, I bet you, I did. Yep, I bet you it was just in there with the with this the cheap steaks, right in the garbage. Even though I'm a grilling, grilling season's before. coming. Yeah, hey, yeah. I, uh, I, uh, you know, I. For a long time, I didn't ever put my phone number and address in any kind of, you know, if I was at the doctor or if I was at the pharmacy or if I was at the airline and they said, you know, put your name and address and phone number, 
I would like always try to not. And then increasingly websites were like, that's required. It's required. We need your phone number because what if the reservation changes? We need your phone number because oh, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And then you say to them, it's required for what? Yeah. Like, I don't it's like to. I like to say sometimes when I'm being a pill is I'll say, okay, is that a law, a rule, yeah, a right. policy or a suggestion? Yeah. Because those mean very different things to me. I don't think that's actually a law. I no. think that's a request that you're going to try and play off legit that you're actually going to use to fuck me. But if you're doing it online and you don't fill out their things, it, it won't let you go to the next page, right? Can't it bounces it. you up and it's like, that. Oh, there's a little arrow there pointing at where your phone number needs to go. And so you, you, you get pushed into this posture of like, okay, I guess, you know, I, listen, I would rather drive to the airport and find that my flight had been canceled and turn around and go home than I would give you my phone number, airline. But they require it. So you put it in. And so eventually I stopped... I stopped being such a stickler about it because I started to feel like this is just a new thing that you have to do. Put your phone number in. Well, it used to be used to be social security numbers. Remember, like when that was your student right, ID, or that's what right. you would just use for anything. Log in using your social security number. And wow, we went, well, I prefer not to, but if that's the system, I guess I better use it. Well, and I haven't. Funny, we used to use our social security numbers all the time. I haven't put my social security number in anything for years now. it was on it was on my student id and it was on every when i had to clean out some stuff from my mom's house a few years back it was on pretty much every sheet of paper that my college gave me yeah it was how you proved who you were it was your student it was like this equals equals you but so i got a prescription filled in new york or in baltimore or something like that at a walgreens and they wanted my phone number and now i swear to you every month i get a robocall from a new york area code and generally right. anybody anybody that's calling me from New York on the phone is somebody that's I presume calling to say hey we've got an opportunity here for us to use one of your songs in Buffy the Vampire Slayer mm -hmm. spinoff and we just need your approval right now because it's going to be $150,000 and please call me back and so I get these New York area code oh, so is that 212 like, what is that yeah, 212 mm -hmm. and 764 Hero or whatever it is. I don't remember. But I, but I recognize them in the moment. And I, oh, it's gotten me like six times. I pick it up and it's like, hi, it's time to refill your prescription at the Brooklyn Walgreens. I'm like, <sighs> Die a thousand deaths. I don't know who to, I don't know who now, what or how or who I could ever do to get this to stop doing this, right? It's just. Right. Who do I, who do I, how do I unsubscribe? You can't. Well, and it's like, it's also that feeling of helplessness where you're like, well, if, you know, back in the day when we used to think like somebody would tell a marketer will call, you'd say, you, I'm on the do not call list. Please remove me from the list. But right. in the case of your phone number, I guess like your social security number, it's gotten, gotten into so many places where you're like, how would you even know where to begin? Yeah. Like you got a robo call. So what do you do? You got to mash on numbers for several minutes. Let them know that you, <laughs> let them know how heavily you'll engage with a random phone call. Because, you know, that's data. That's data. That like is when, data. When they, when they call you up, and the one I get frequently is, this is an important call about your uh, current credit card. There's not a problem with your card, but this is their last opportunity to beetle dee 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 and it's the same mm -hmm. one every time. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you got to press 2 or whatever to continue. And, of course, there's, I guess, some kind of button that's not hooked up to anything to say you went off it. But, like, all that does, it's, this, it's how Publishers Clearinghouse works, right? I mean, I knew this 20 years ago. Like, the re way Publishers Clearinghouse works is you get on increasingly more execrable lists 
list depending on how many uh, pictures of the Buick you pasted into the publisher's clearinghouse. <laughs> oh, we got a live one here. Here, uh, this one will fill out a form. You're, now you're pre-qualified. Yeah, no, I'm pre-qualified for everything, Merlin. Oh, if I nice. wanted to, I could buy I could buy a Gulfstream jet because I I've been pre-qualified up to uh, 100 million dollars. Huh. But um, but it's 29 uh, percent APR. Uh, financing, first year is free. It's all standard. But, it's all pretty standard. But, uh, yeah, it's just boilerplate stuff. Well, it's just all boilerplate. Just sign. Just sign right here. I've been getting a thing lately in the actual mail, heavy bond, uh, beautiful photographs of a thing where, what is it from? It's not the Hilton Hotel because I'm on their permanent blacklist. But it might be the Sheraton Maybe or Star, something. Starwood. It's not Starwood because that I know I know enough to throw everything that has the word Starwood on it right into the shredder. Is that right? Uh, but it's some it's it's a like a, it's a legitimate enterprise, right? It's something nice, genuinely nice. Like I don't know if I would call Sheraton that, but so, something like that where you're like, this is I'm looking, I'm flipping this around, I'm reading the fine print very carefully. To see where it says that I'm going to have to sit for an hour in a timeshare uh, right. uh, meeting, I don't see any of that. And I'm looking at this thing, and basically what it is is like uh, airfare and hotel to Maui for seven days, seven nights, I guess, and eight days, all in for you know, for the low, low price of $795. And I'm like, this is insane. This seems like a really good deal. And, you know, and I'm turning it over and over looking at it like, what's the catch? What's the catch? And at every, you know, at every point, even the little micro wording of things where a catch could be hidden, the micro wording of this thing is worded in such a way that there's no, there's no catch there. Right, either they are either they are just bald ass lying in yeah. this, and you show up, and when you are, are standing at the front desk, they do that thing where they're like, "Oh, I'm sorry, there are no double rooms available," and you're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, wait a oh, minute!" I know, I know, you're just bracing, you're just like, you're just one big knot of anxiety waiting to find out how they get you. Yeah, like, oh, sorry, the only rooms that apply to this plan are one full size bed or whatever, and I'm like, I'm here with three people. But so I'm reading this thing and I'm like, I cannot figure out the catch. This is driving me crazy. This seems like a good deal, but but I don't want to be, I don't want to be the 75 year old who's like, sounds like a great deal, and you buy it, and then they're taking 400 dollars a month out of your account. And then when I really looked at it, I was like, oh wait a minute, this is still like 120 dollars a day. Yeah, right. It's not. It I've gotten like that a, deal. I got I got that deal one time where there's a semi-popular, sort of like in the days before we knew about things like uh, Max Fun Cruise, Joko Cruise. Uh, this guy was was really active. I'm going to get in trouble for this. This guy was very actively trying to get me to go on this cruise for mm. people uh, who are somewhat uh, notable with regard to a certain computer platform mm -hmm, product. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he was really, he's like, this is, your whole family's going to get to go and it's going to be amazing. And, and I, did, when I did the math on it. So it was so like was, an NEC cruise. You mean, is that a Star Trek thing? 
uh, wasn't NEC uh, that was the first the, uh, computer pro- platform? Oh, or the deck, the neck, mm, NES. The I think that's the Nintendo. Oh, NES. It no. would have been. It would have cost me about ten thousand dollars to go, to go on, on the cruise. Once I figured it all out, I mean, you know, it's like nobody is going to send you something on nice bond paper that's actually good for you, right? The but thicker the bond, <laughs> the thicker the bond, the harder the screw. Finger the bond. You'll find out. <coughs> NEC computers. Am I crazy here? No, I think that's, uh, that's a thing. National NEC. Electronic Computer Company or something. Hmm. NEC Global. Oh, yeah, look at that. They, oh, NEC. Sure, sure, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Sure, sure, sure. I've seen sure, them. Sure, sure, sure. Story checks out. There's some computers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so... I have to say, I still have this brochure on my on my table, even though it expired on March 15th. Because I'm still just, I'm turning it over and over in my hands like, did I miss an opportunity here? Or is this, is this like such a, a great con job, such a total screw job? Like <laughs> what, you, what you don't want, you don't want a situation where here's this big hotel in Maui and they're just under capacity. And they're just trying to do this to get rid of this these excess rooms, right? Right. And the rooms are just as beautiful as they are on as they're shown to be on this on this uh, brochure. Well, and, and not to interrupt you, but you're, we're we're very much aware that this is a real phenomenon when it comes to flight, where you've we've all read the articles about how every person on that plane paid something different. One person on that pl- plane paid one tenth of the price for a coach ticket that somebody else did. That's yep. a real thing involving capacity, supply, and demand, right? Right. So it doesn't well, seem out of the imagination that this would be a real thing. When I went on, uh, when I was flying back from the Joko cruise, there were some people there in the economy comfort area, and I'm not, uh, I'm not above saying that I, I fly economy comfort when I can. And there was that's a couple, like economy plus, like a slightly bigger chair, yeah, and a little slightly bit of bigger chair, yeah. you know, and. Um, and there were, well, there's a couple there coming back from the cruise and they, in their loudest voices were like, oh my God, we had no seat assignment until we got here at the airport. And then they just put us here in these, in these chairs at, in the front row, like their economy comfort seats were even better than mine. And they were like, we only paid $125 from, for this whole flight from Expedia.com.org and everyone else in the plane you know, had those, uh, had those like uh, Tom and Jerry knives coming out of their eyes at them. Like, okay, great for you. Shut up, sit down, stop it. You're making me feel awful. And they were like, we, I got $120 and they just put us right here in seats 1A and 2A. Mm. Not cool. Not cool. It's like, ugh. Uh, Tom and Jerry knives. Um, Tom and Jerry knives. Yeah, oh no, uh, that's gonna make it in. Don't worry. What What about uh, what was the What about the big bad wolf? How do you feel about the big bad wolf? Uh, just the, the the whole like kind of post Red Riding Hood idea. Yeah, where the big bad wolf became like a trope, where all of a sudden there were big bad wolves everywhere. Oh yeah, so you got the separated big... from Red Robin Hood. Well, yeah, you got. I mean, I think about Red Riding Hood as being important because, like, that's a story. Lots of kids here. You get a little older, you think about it, you realize it's probably about sexual assault. 
And then you get cartoons where there's a lot of wolves. You got a certain kind of wolf in a zoot suit who's checking out ladies. See, right? Whose tongue and eyeballs come out of his head. When yeah, he's like a Chuck, Chuck Jones wolf. <laughs> or the same kind of wolf that might think you look like a pork chop, right? Right, right. That'll happen. A wolf that goes through, through a wall and leaves a wolf-shaped hole. That'll happen. What do I think about the wolf? I I, I don't have a super strong feeling about it. Uh, We have not been a big fairy tale family. I feel like it's been a little bit of a failing. Interesting. Um, No, I've tried. I tried because there's a a beloved Reader's Digest Digest book of fairy tales that I grew up with. Little pencil check marks next to each one that we'd read. Yeah. And eh, my daughter wasn't into it. I, I, so I've, I've been trying, I feel the same obligation because, you know, between my mom and me, right, she's just close enough to the generation and my dad obviously was, for all intents and purposes, a Victorian, uh, where that was the only entertainment you had was reading Rudyard Kipling and Grimm's fairy tales mm-hmm. because it was still plausible that, A, that nobody knew how the, uh, nobody knew how the rhinoceros got his scales but also that uh, that there were still women who would bake you into a cake, and like it just in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. and so so I've been I've started to read some of that stuff to my daughter, and the other day I read her. I mean, I was explaining like the boy who cried wolf, and very quickly she became known as the girl who cried ow, <laughs> because there is a we have had a real escalation lately in the word owl oh oh we went through this where it's yeah. not exactly a fake injury but yeah. it's more like the reaction precedes the actual feeling yeah somebody pulls out a hairbrush and she's like ow mm. falls to the floor you know and it's like are you being the girl that cried owl and and her eyes light up because she understands the boy who cried wolf she right. got that and now she realizes you know, we have, we've changed it. We've, it's that now it's a metaphor and she's the, she's the girl that cried out. And it's, I've actually found it to be very effective in diffusing these like owl storms. Yeah, sure. I know it makes a lot of sense. I've heard people say similar things to, in a, in a con- contemporary context with the, the movie inside out. I think oh, it's probably yeah. very frequently exaggerated. That's okay. But no, I know exactly what you mean where you have a way to see like, that's the beauty of a fable. You know, yeah. the scorpion and the frog. It's like one of the greatest stories of all time. Nothing describes that situation better than the scorpion and the frog. Oh, the scorpion and the frog. What the, what a, what a mismatched pair. You remember that story? I have no idea. I, I thought you were making it up. There's a real scorpion and frog story. I'll oh, wait, it, the scorpion rides the frog. I'll make it as quick as I can. The scorpion says, hey, look, I need to get, get across the, the river. I won't sting you. Uh, yeah. So just give me a ride on your back. The frog says, look, if I put you on my back, you know, you're going to sting me. Yeah. Flash forward, they get halfway through. The scorpion stings the frog. Yeah, they're gonna die. He says, "What did you do? You said you weren't gonna sting me." He said, "What do you, what do you expect? I'm a scorpion." Yeah, I always, I think in Alaska that was a, that was the um, moose and the peregrine falcon or something. We had it. We had a, We didn't have scorpions <laughs> or frogs. It didn't make any sense to us. It seemed a little, little exotic. Yeah, it was some. It was something more more normal, like um, you know, the muskox and the uh, and the and the wolverine. What do you expect? I'm a wolverine. Why did you tear me up? Does she ask you to, does she, like when she asks you to read stuff, if you're comfortable saying, what kind of stuff does she ask you to read? Does, does she like fables and fairy tales? Mm. So we go to, we buy most of our books at the thrift store. And so we go over to the children's book area and she plops herself down and immediately starts pulling out every book that has a huge uh, alien-eyed oh, God, yeah. garbage princess. 
And she's like, look, it's Dora. Look, it's it's Cinderella. Look, it's, you know, all this stuff. And Dan, and like, I, Dan and I refer to Dora simply as the yelling show. Yeah, the yelling show. <laughs> like, here's a girl with a wedge haircut that's going to yell at you and then stare at you. Waiting hate, for her. I hate it so much. And she pulls this stuff out of the out of the shelves because it's exotic to her, right? This isn't stuff that's that she's allowed to have. So she's just like, "Oh my god, look at this. It's so amazing. It's like a it's like a comic book where Barbie talks about products that you can buy." And you feel like you it really feels sometimes like you're buying an ad. Yeah, well, like, that's like, what you're, you like you're basically purchasing a pamphlet that's an ad. Those Barbie books where it's like, "Oh, I didn't know what to do about a computer." So then Ken came and 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 I was busy repairing my broken fingernail while Ken solved my problem. It's like I would rather put her in an isolation tank and play her the first episode of Lost than I would buy any one of these uh, garbage books. So, she, But she's down on the floor pulling this stuff out and just just like like a, like she's been lost in the desert her whole life and someone's given her a, 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 a glass of cold water. Like she's just, oh, yeah. she's consuming this as fast as she can because she knows that it's not going to last. And I'm up still in the children's book section, thumbing through them, looking for titles I recognize from my own childhood. So I'm like, oh, look here, you know, look here, Marlo. It's the book about You're Not My Mother where the little bird loses its mother and decides that maybe a steam... A steam uh, tractor, which by this drawing, we can clearly tell that this book was, was made in 1940, um, and, I, and it was already an anachronism when I was reading it. Like, look at this, and I show it to her, <laughs> and she's just like, no princesses. There's nothing fun about this book. It's a bird. It has no, it has no as they say with automobiles, it has no curb appeal. There's no curb appeal. But which book goes into the shopping cart? Mm. Daddy's book about I mean I bought a book I bought a book for her the other day, which is a comic. I mean it's a cartoon book, but it's a story of a little girl whose whose rabbi in Poland gives his ticket to her to put her on the boat to go to America. And she goes to America and works as a seamstress in order to save up enough money to buy a, a ticket for her aging grandmother who is still living in Poland and who's like milking a horse <laughs> in order to survive. <laughs> this is right up your alley. And I'm reading this story to her and like tears are streaming down my cheeks because it's a beautiful book. Yeah. And it's the story of America. Sure. And the, you know, the illustrations are good, but it's, you know, it's very, it's touching. And I can just, <laughs> and she loves the book now. Because, you know, it's a book that every time daddy reads it, he starts crying about the, about the great, you know, the diaspora. Uh, but there's not, you know, there's no, there's obviously no magic in it. No princess. Not a lot of pink and purple. Well, there's, you know, the princess is basically in a Lower East Side uh, sweatshop sewing wedding dresses um, <laughs> in order to get, get, get the 40 shekels to go buy a, 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 a trip on the Lusitania for her grandmother so she doesn't have to drink horse's milk anymore. <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Casper. To learn more right now, please visit casper.com slash supertrain. Oh, this is so easy to understand. You got to get one of these things. Get a Casper. Because Casper offers an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It is literally shocking. Casper's mattress is one of a kind. It's a new kind of hybrid mattress that combines premium latex foam with memory foam. 
It's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. The best of two technologies come together for better nights and brighter days. I have been using a Casper mattress. I have literally been sleeping on a Casper mattress for over a year now. I love it. I love the quality of this product, but you know what? Even over a year later, I just love how easy this company is to deal with, how painless they have made this entire process, which used to be excruciating. If you've ever had to go into a retail mattress store and lay down on that mattress that all of those other strangers have laid on, that is no way to decide how you want to spend a third of your life. With Casper, it's so much easier. When you order your Casper mattress, a surprisingly small box magically appears at your door, and you can carry it up to your room in the box by yourself. You have a little dingus you use to open up a bag, and this mattress expands. It inhales. It goes, <gasps> not in a creepy way, but like in a really cool way. And within minutes now, you have a mattress. You have everything you need for a good night's sleep. It's that easy. It's that simple. And here's the crazy part. Because I know it sounds a little bananas to buy a mattress on the internet. I'll give you that. But the thing is, Casper has a risk-free trial and return policy. You can try sleeping on your Casper mattress for 100 nights. And if for some reason it is not to your liking, you can send it back. That's free delivery. It's painless returns. It's made in America. And sleep. Glorious sleep. These prices are crazy town banana pants. Mattresses starting at $500 for a twin. $950 for a king. That's what I have because I am much like a king. And I like to really spread out. On top of it all, Casper has a special offer to listeners of Roderick on the line. You get $50 toward any mattress purchase by using the offer code SUPERTRAIN when you visit casper.com slash supertrain. Terms and conditions apply, but you got to try this out. Go to casper.com slash supertrain. Our thanks to Casper for so many great nights sleep and for supporting Roderick on the line. <laughs> and, and there's no Nickelodeon show for that right now. <laughs> no, there's no, there, there's not a single song in it. Um, except, you know, except dreidel, 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 dreidel. And so anyway, this is the, this is the culture that I'm inflicting on her. And what we went to a pho restaurant last night and they had a big screen TV on the wall and it was playing the latest iteration of the blooper TV bloopers show. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 The host. That's, that's, I don't think that's ever really gone away between the, the, the home videos and the bloopers. There's always something there. And this is, I think, home, the home videos. It's just a, basically a show of people getting kicked in the crotch or, yeah. you know, balls getting shot into their crotch. And the, uh, and the, the host of it is the uh, smarmy guy from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, the, like, rich son. Oh, the other guy. The other guy from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, who, I have to say, has not aged a day. Like, he looks incredible. He was like a smaller guy with a mustache. That's right, smaller guy with a mustache. Yeah, I bet he's nice. And he seems nice, and he comes out, and he's like, all right, another, here's another bunch of people getting hit in the crotch. All right, let's go. This this parrot is crazy. It drinks milk, and it, and it swears like a sailor. And so this is on the TV, and you could have put firecrackers in her ears, and <sighs> you wouldn't have gotten any response from her. She was just completely in the world of bloopers, and a lot of them didn't even get the blooper, right? Like, Somebody just got hit in the crotch. She's like, I don't get it, but this is incredible. We have exactly the same experience. I have a thought on this. So, you know, so like as with the princess properties, uh, it's, it is an overused analogy, but it's not precisely crack, but it's extremely attractive to kids because science, right? Yeah. They're using all of the means, all the same way that they would try and make Don Corleone's son look better for the funeral. They're yeah. using all of their powers, calling upon all their powers to make this as appealing as possible to little kids. So when we go out to eat, you know, that little diner by our house, and of course, it's usually like Premier League soccer or golf or whatever on. Yeah. Yeah. 
and she is, or an infomercial, they might have an infomercial channel on because there yeah. are channels for infomercials. She is wrapped the entire time. And you know what? It, here's my thought on this. I think it's basically headline news for children. It's the same concept. Why do adults, why do adults stare slack-jawed at that screen in the airport? I think it's yeah. the transitions, it's the music, it's the noise, it's, it's all the little motion graphics. Uh-huh. The I think stock that's ex- market crawl at the bottom that no one knows what it means. Right, and I think that's all extreme. They know that that is extremely attractive to a certain kind of feeble mind, and I think that's what they do with children, with these, with these programs. Yeah, yeah, I... Uh, I I asked her one time because we were sitting. We go to an Irish restaurant every once in a while because Daddy likes uh, corned beef and cabbage. Mm, and too. let me t- let me tell you, an Irish restaurant has very little appeal to children, um, because I mean, everyone else in there is is uh, is red faced drunk. Now, and I know that's racist. Mm. That's that's who goes. I don't think you can be racist against the Irish. Well, you used to be able to. It was yeah. one of the big kinds of. Racism. That's true. That's true. It's a different time. Irish need not apply. Yeah, that's what the that's the whole premise behind uh, Demo Lay and the Knights of Columbus. Huh. Keep, keep, you know, you know the, my mom was a rainbow girl. Oh, really? And her her quote unquote boyfriend was in Demo Lay. Yeah, all of that stuff was just to keep the Catholics out. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Those I think I think Knights of Columbus and uh, was like the Ku Klux Klan of Catholics. Even though the Ku Klux Klan of, was the Ku Klux Klan That's of like Catholics. That's like the, the YouTube of dance videos. Yeah, it's the YouTube of dance videos. But, uh, but uh, KFC had a, always had a hell of a baseball team. They were always uh, the toughest opponents for everybody. KFC. I'm you. Yeah. They, uh, because, they, because baseball is how you defeat the Catholics. Is that, is that right? How far yeah. back does that go? To the invention of baseball. That's why they invented it. So it was, that's so interesting to me. So it starts in England, they got cricket, not many Catholics. You come right. up with this idea of baseball, and that's going to be a way to finally put the Catholics in their place. The ball is the Pope. There's only one. Think about it. It's white. Let me ask you a question. Does the ball ever get thrown out of a game? No, the ball is infallible. The ball is infallible. The ball just keeps going around and around and around. Mm. And every once in a while, the umpire, who is the College of Cardinals, okay. takes a dirty ball out of play. It puts it in a different parish. Yep. And then all you do, you, so this is the thing. When you're watching a baseball game, look for the white smoke. Oh, okay. If it's gray smoke, you still have time to go to the bathroom and get a hot dog. They stop selling uh, usually like seventh inning. You can't get a beer anymore. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, most people aren't doing anything uh, hardly at all. And then sometimes one person moves a little bit. Yep. Right. That's right. There are a lot of kids at the game, too. Oh, tradition and family? Tradition and family. Tradition and family. Thank this you. is crack for Catholics, John. Well, so, and if it is, it's Catholic crack. And that's how they get them in. And then that's how ultimately how they'll be defeated? Uh, that's still unclear. Yeah. It's a, it's a long game, sure John. The, it's a very long game. I'm not sure how Pete Rose factors into it either, but... I, it's I met him twice. The, I met him twice. You met Pete Rose? Twice. Wow. Yeah. Did he sign anything for you? Yeah. He signs anything. He signs anything. <laughs> and <laughs> He's kind of famous before, for that. Two times before the disgrace... Oh no! This is this is uh, circa nineteen seventy six. This is the Big Red Machine era. Wow! You oh, just, because you were an Ohio kid, you would just see the Reds around town. You would just go one one of the times I saw and uh, briefly met Pete Rose was at a restaurant uh, called Johnny Bench's Home Plate, right over there at the Northgate Mall on Coleraine Avenue. I know about it. Yep, yep, yep. I, I know I've told you my Pete Rose story before. Uh, you have, but I 
but I wanted everybody else to enjoy it too. Well, we should probably stay focused on the Catholics. It's a good story, though. Right, right. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. All I'll tell you is the punchline of the story is when Pete Rose says, "Oh yeah, he's the one with the daughter that don't got no arm." That don't got no arm. That's right. Remember That's that right. story? I do remember. Um, but when I go to get corned beef and <laughs> of cabbage, all the things, of all the things you could say in your restaurant that you own called Pete Rose's. That you would be sitting there at a table, a little boy would come up of all the things that would come out of your mouth. He's the one who's his 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 uh, his file card on the on that uh, on that uh, scout for the A's was that his right. uh, daughter had a birth defect. His his daughter ain't ain't got no arm. He's the one with the daughter that ain't got no arm. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a different. He was time. a simple, yeah, different time, D- simple different man. Time. But, uh, but also, so you this get a lot Irish of baseball place. players. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna say, just to close it out, a lot of the baseball players we get. Let's just be honest; they come from Central and South America. Very Catholic uh, country. Nowadays. Yeah, right. I mean, it's basically... Everything's ca- changing. Everything's it's, changing. It's a Catholic game. It used to be a game against the Catholics. Yeah, they're taking it back. That's our term. Don't say queer. That's our term now. We're taking it back. That's right. Baseball now, it's a Catholic game. What are you going to do about a demole? Yeah, that's right. No, what, uh, are you, what are you going to do? Have a dance? Yeah, right. Are you going to go sit in your secret club, plot against the Catholics? Too late. Mm-hmm. Too late. Taking over. Taking over the USA. Oh, doctor. Boy, no, we still haven't had a Catholic president, though. Oh, no, we did. Just the one. Just the one. Just yeah. the one. Yeah. Famously. Famously. In retrospect, tapes. that is an incredibly big deal. It was at the time, yeah. I mean, that, like, when you really why. think about it now, like, what an incredibly big deal. Well, and think about when was the last time you heard of the Knights of Columbus? <laughs> Not since 1978, when they would paste our ass every Saturday in baseball. Paste our ass? What a nice Ohio phrase that is. That's how we would measure it. Paste our ass. Wow. Cache. Um, how, how, uh, how pasted is your ass? Uh, pretty pasted. So pasted. White so as paste. We would go into this, uh, we go into this uh, Irish this restaurant. Corned beef and cabbage restaurant, and they have TVs all around. Everyone, this, I support this actually. TVs, each one ter- tuned to a different sport. So there's a basketball TV, there's a curling TV, there's a <laughs> something to TV. distract something to distract everyone. <laughs> That's right. You pick the, you pick where you want to sit in this restaurant based on what sport you want to be assaulted by. <sighs> and so we go and sit in this place and she's just looking around just her head spinning. All these sports, none of which has daddy made any attempt to explain. And at one point I was like, uh, you're watching these games so intently, what's your favorite sport? And without even without even a moment's hesitation, she was like, hockey. No kidding. I said, hockey? Huh. Whoa, I'm raising a hockey fan? Like, I can't think of a I can't think of a thing I, that would have surprised me more. I was and I think I leaned in and was like, Are you sure you don't like curling? I'll be more swoggled. How how did she even know what it is and what it's called? I think that at one point I went around the room and I was like, baseball, football, hockey, basketball, you know, the other one's self-explanatory, skiing, obviously, and curling. Who doesn't know what that is? Sure. But she watches, and I think the pace and the fact that hockey players are are so elegantly skating, I mean, I think that has an appeal to her. I'm yeah. not sure if she's if she's aware of the of the violence. Huh. Maybe. I mean, you know, I bought her for her birthday. I bought her a full suit of armor. Oh, nice! Yeah, because uh, because she keeps she keeps picking up swords at thrift stores and saying, "My sword is ready to kill." Well, whose fault is that? Well, I feel like it's. Did you get her chainmail, or did you get her like a uh, full plate armor? Yeah, breastplate and a shield and a helmet. Don't you feel like that's something she should have to earn on her own through campaigns? 
I feel like that she has campaigned an awful lot. She's, you know, the the big takeaway for her of Kung Fu Panda 3, which is one of four movies she's seen, hmm. was that you use Kung Fu on Daddy. Oh, God, yes. And so a lot of Kung Fu happening. A lot of uh, every every takeaway of a story where there's magic involved is that this now is magic that you can use on Daddy. And so between using magic on me and kung fuing me and killing me as as every single dragon or baddie i just realized that she had a bloodlust yeah. and and i want her to start killing people that aren't daddy by which i mean orcs orcs i was just the first thing that came to mind bugbears would be a good place to start too bugbears are that's a I mean, bugbear has a lot of hit points i think isn't a bugbear like a first level dungeon kind of thing oh yeah i guess so who's tougher a bugbear or an orc I think bug bear, bug bears are more unusual than orcs. Hmm. What about a, is that racist a, to say a bug bear is more unusual than an orc? I mean, you saying all orcs are the same? No, obviously there are the uh, urukai who are big tough orcs. I don't know what that is. You got me on that one. Come on, urukai. Urukai. I don't know that. Well, they're uh, they're the they're the uh, super they're the they're the Saruman orcs. The, the orcs that <laughs> that's, Sar- that's Lord of the Rings. Yeah, the orcs that Saruman makes in his in his uh fact his orc. Fact. Oh, okay, all right, I get it, I get it, and they're kind of like uh, Tolkien uh, stormtroopers. Yeah, 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 yeah. The well, yeah. Did they give they're... any of the rings to to the orcs, John? Did orcs did orcs get rings? Uh, no, no. Orcs Who got don't... rings? You got you got elves got rings, humans got rings, the dwarfs got rings. Some people got rings, some people didn't get rings, right? Right. Uh, you wouldn't give a, a ring to an orc. Mm-mm. That's throwing think. good money after bad. But I think the thing about the rings is a lot of different elves got rings. Oh, they're, they're okay. elvish rings, right? So they didn't make a ring for. I think the ring they gave the humans and the ring they gave the the dwarves were just like courtesy rings. Oh, they're just like promotional rings, or like yeah. maybe the first ones they made that weren't all that good. It's like the first pancake. Yeah, the exactly. give, give give the first first ring to the humans. It's just like oh uh, yeah, they, we should give the humans a ring. Come it on. cuts a little bit. It's not finished yeah. very well. But the and you know and the the dwarves probably provided the the gold give them a little bit of a, it's a kickback right dwarves are miners right well see that's, i'm sorry that's, now i'm being racist again aren't i i mean there are a lot of dwarves that do a lot of different things that they, aren't you could mining. be a pair you could be a paralegal uh you could be paralegal, a veterinary, ver, right. veterinary assistant dwarf you know there's work at the post office we, we got to work at the post office dwarf mail's got to get somewhere you need a dwarf postal system there are dwarves uh, that are working as emissaries. There, I'm sure there are diplomatic corps dwarves. How do you think you're going to get uh, flyers from the dwarf Safeway at your house? Exactly. Uh, there are dwarves that are great, great grandsons of Thorn Oakenshield who are sort of just living off of their inheritance. They're like waste droid. Thorin, right. Right. So, yeah. So, the, I think some big white bearded uh, dwarf got a, got a ring, but it didn't, it was limited power ring. I think, but I oh, think it's like a demo, like a demo. Yeah, but I think plenty of elves got like some high-powered stuff. I haven't read this Cimmerillion all the way through. There Tell are the um, three people in my household, two of which have read The Hobbit. There are two people in my house that have read uh, a Tolkien book, and I'm not one of them. Wait a minute, what? I, I like to bring this up with you every year or so, just to remind you. I've, I've never read anything by Tolkien, Come and I, I like one of the movies. Come on. No, see, now this, you know I'm not that guy, usually. I'm normally not that guy. It's no. just this is a fun outlier for me. My two big outliers are I'm not super familiar with Star Trek, and uh, and I actually, I, I've tried a little bit of Hobbit, but the language stuff throws me off a little bit, but 
I, I, I might try. I might try some the, the actual Hobbit book. The Hobbit. The Hobbit book is easier, right? I, I, I we'll start with the Cimmerillion. That's their Metal Machine music. Yeah. No, you don't want. You, I, frankly, you don't ever want to read the Cimmerillion. You just want to have Ted Leo read it to you aloud. Oh, that sounds so good. But no, the Hobbit is a children's book. The Lord of the Rings is a is a masterwork. But you have read Dune. You've read all forty Dune books. No. I read Slaughterhouse Five a couple times. Yeah, Catch yeah. Twenty Two. Did you read Catch Twenty Two? Oh, I think I started that. Maybe the first half of that. You didn't read Catch Twenty Two all the way through. I um I skipped a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Then there's some things I've read many many times because of my interest in short fiction. There are many short stories that are kind of my version of famous novels because I read them so many times. Did you read the sh- uh, the short Happy Life of Francis McComber? I did. I've also read the abortion one. Yeah. How about the one uh, where they throw the rocks? At throw the, the rocks. I've read the one with the rocks. Have you read the one with the uh, with the misfit where, where they kill the family at the end? That's how my daughter got named. Is that right? My daughter's middle name comes from that. She'd have been a good woman if it had been somebody to shoot her every minute of her life. What about the rat that gets really smart? Oh, I, that's that uh, movie with Michael Jackson song in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, the rat gets smart. You mean you're talking about talking about the uh, the cockroach man? Yeah, the rescuers. I've where read they, the rescuers, or they, yeah, they fly on the back of a seagull. The great the mouse detective. Rat. I've read. I've read so many of those. So many classics that today it's it's so difficult to even put your hand to these books because you got to stream it. It's hard to find. Yeah, you have to stream it. You have yeah. to get it on your Kindle, and that requires that you upgrade uh, the amount of storage you have on your Dropbox. Yeah. Also, John, make sure you're still uh, signed in. You still signed in? No, no. I it logged me out, and now I forget. <laughs> I forget which one of the three passwords I use is the one that I use for that. Well, um, you know what? What's my prompt? What was my, what was your what was your first pet? What was your mother's maiden name? Oh, sure. That's that stuff's hard to find out. Yeah, it, is. it really is. Super hard to find out. I um. What's your social security number? It's right there on your college uh, application. I, 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 you know, our friend John Sarkisa, he gives me a little bit of uh, gives me a little bit of jazz because I don't actually help you with these things. There's yeah. an application I can introduce you to that would save you a lot of aggravation with these things. Oh, the thing, what I have found is that in situations like that, what I need is to download another app. Oh, uh, you're missing the point. Those security questions are going to bite you in the ask. Ask, they're ask, bite ask me, in the ask? ask, ask, they're bite me in the ask. Uh, ask, ask me, uh, ask me a security question. Okay, what uh, was the first time you masturbated? Lovingly. Ask me another one. Um, let's see. What was the... Who is your least favorite uh-huh. relative? Okay. Gleefully. Pick a part of speech and use that for your security questions. And then uh, record them in this secure app. Never use an actual noun. Never answer with a noun. Answer with a different part of speech. Gleefully. I, I go with adverbs. I try to minimize my use of adverbs, totally avoid adverbs wherever I can. And then uh, you can use that for security questions. You know what the other trick is? That's not my actual security answer. Boom. What? You see what but, I just did right there? I took you in two directions at once. I just took you on two different vacations. But here, here's, my, here's my understanding of the problem, which is that no one is, no one is actually sitting down and trying to figure out your security question. It's just some computer algorithm that's going through No, you just, you just call Apple and say, hello, I'm definitely John Roderick's whatever, and I'm having trouble getting into his thing. Yes. Yes, I'm the executor of his estate. <laughs> that's and, not funny, man. John's dead. Uh, but but nobody, nobody's doing that. Nobody's fishing, like, actually, like, what was Merlin's home childhood address? I will not talk about this online. I will discuss it with you offline. It's okay. a harrowing problem. Is it a harrowing problem? 
So but harrowing is a kind of fish, right? Yep, yep, yep. Harrowing. Uh, you also you can get a like uh, you get that uh, comedy duo Stuart Lee and uh, Richard Harrowing. Mm-hmm. You can have all kinds of different fish, fish and pin, pin and cushion. So you, this is actually a real problem. Oh boy! And you got uh, so I learned about bugbears and orcs through uh, advanced Dungeons and Dragons. That's right, uh, Gary Gygax's masterwork. Yep, which is. Uh, he stole a lot from the Lord of the Rings, so much so that they uh, that they filed an injunction against. Oh, him. is that I, I, that would not surprise me at all? But what's funny is, I mean, there is stuff I did recognize, but no, I'm like I'm like the worst kind of weirdo because when I hear something like I I don't know, I imagine a lot of it comes Vorpal Blade. I imagine that comes from someplace else. I got all the Arthurian stuff, not all of it, but I understood there was Arthurian stuff. I was more familiar, I mean, even though I'm not a big Lovecraft reader, I was more familiar with the concept concept of like Cthulhu. So like a lot of my friends played Call of Cthulhu. I realized that was from the books. But I didn't realize how much of D&D, like maybe even near the majority of D&D, comes from Lord of the Rings, right? John? Oh, sorry, I had my cough button on. <laughs> Uh, oh my God! I thought I had had hopelessly offended you with with talking talk. No, no, I I was hoisted by my own petard. Uh, what what kind of armor class is that? Uh, let's see. That's plus five charisma. Plus five petard. I feel I feel like just like all Led Zeppelin lyrics are derived from Lord of the Rings, so too is all Dungeons and Dragons. And honestly, like eighty percent of post Tolkien fantasy, yeah, is just like what would happen if we what would happen? I mean, I think a lot of people read Lord of the Rings. And what they really wanted was fanfic of elves having sex and being naked. Sure. And so I think that that's basically all of all fantasy writing is just like the desire to have to watch elves have sex. Why do you think that's as widespread as it is? Well, you know, elves are unattainable Mm. and also, willowy, and a certain type of people like willowy, uh, th- think that that's a, a beauty, like a high, high beauty standard, willowy. Talking about like slender-hipped? Slender-hipped, sort of androgynous, mm. unattainable, um, and also uh, never die. And boy, there's a lot of people that want to be that, right? Unattainable, slender-hipped, never die. Oh, yeah, that's pretty much L.A. right there. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, it's 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 Los basically, Angeles is basically about people who want to be elves. Sure. If you look at Amy Mann, you're like, right. It's an it's basically she's an elf, and she's only here with us. She is absolutely. I I thought I thought she looked like I, I was describing to her friend as being like a gorgeous bird, but mm. I think elf might be better. No, she's an elf, and she's here to retrieve some some ring that was given to the dwarves. Oh man! And, she, but she can't reveal it. No. Right? <sighs> So, so yeah, I feel like the the fanfic of elves. It's like, do you remember? Uh, do you remember what was his name? Oklahoma, the the sex cat, or the, <laughs> Oklahoma, the sex cat, right? Or, or his name was Dakota or Omaha. Omaha, the sex cat, was a was. An <laughs> you extent. did it! You did it! You left me in the dust. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? <laughs> <sighs> I thought I was going to get you this episode, but you got me. Yeah, Omaha no, uh, the sex cat. Omaha the cat dancer? Omaha. Is it Omaha the cat dancer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it's a furry thing. It's a Fritz the Cat <clears throat> spinoff. Okay. Except Fritz the Cat was like, bah, you know, it's like Howard the Duck. 
Uh, but Omaha the sex cat <laughs> was was a furry thing, but like but but real early before furries had been identified as 19, 1978. 78. And it's just like it's just like anthropomorphic cats who who had uh, good haunches and there was there I think probably for centuries there have been people who uh, were sitting there in their in their comfortable chair that had been made out of antlers or whatever it was that people used to sit in, and a cat would walk by, all proud, tail in the air, and the person would say, the prehistoric person would say, "I wonder how hard it would be to fuck a cat." <laughs> it would probably be pretty hard. You right? keep it it's to yourself. Hard. You keep it to yourself, but you turn it over in your mind a little bit. Yeah, it's hard to even <clears throat> pick up a cat and pet it. You're out hunting and gathering. And then it maybe it comes a little bit of an intrusive thought. You start, you realize you're thinking about how hard it would be to fuck a cat. That comes up more and more in your mind. Yeah, you're out there. You've got a spear in hand. Here comes a here comes a musk ox, and you're like, but your mind is somewhere else. Mm. Your mind is thinking, how hard would it be to fuck a cat? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, you miss the shot, right? Yeah. You're like, yeah. this is this is disadvantageous. So over the course of time, how do you, what do you deal with? How do you deal with that problem? It's like if you want to if you want to try and fuck a horse. You can probably get away with it. Horse, yeah. horse will take it. Yeah, yeah. Cat's yeah. not going to take it anyway. We arrived at a place in 1978 where all these things had converged, and it was finally possible for somebody to draw pictures of cats that you could fuck. Okay. And it was like a it was a transformative moment, and a lot of people were liberated. And there were comic cons then, mm-hmm. and they went and they passed this stuff around. George R. R. Martin was there. And they were like, look at this, you can fucking can. What do you think about this? What about that, huh? And then a whole then a whole world exploded. And then pretty soon you've got these Syrian kids in a hotel in Vancouver. Yeah. And they're dancing. They're dancing with a bunch of people dressed like like fuckable cats. Who could have predicted that? Is that in the Bible? No. <laughs> Is that a video? You didn't you didn't see this? <laughs> they they they're a whole bunch of ref- I think you get a different internet than I do. <laughs> A bunch of refugee families from Syria arrived. Oh, they went to the furry festival, and the furries came out and danced with the children in the lobby. Yeah, they were put in the same hotel. It's like, oh, we're putting you up in this great hotel. Welcome to the, uh, welcome to North America. I, I did. You know what? I did see a photo of that. Yes. Yeah. Nobody's going to be bombing you anymore. The Russians aren't going to be bombing you anymore. Oh, and also your ho- your hotel is full of furries. Yes. Like what a magical adventure! None of that would have been possible without Omaha the sex cat. Do they make the outfits in a way that accommodates the idea that they might want to have intercourse with um, each other? Some do. I mean, is it because like, you think about like a, like an uh, underwear thing? Yeah. And like, there's some people who want to have sex with people in underwear. Some people who want the people to wear underwear, then take the underwear off, and then they have sex with a person with no underwear. Yeah. Does I mean, like, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to go any further with this because if I ask, people will tell me. I believe that a greater percentage of people want to want to have their cake and eat it too in the sense that they want the uh, they want the other person to keep their underwear on but also be able to have sex. Yeah. That's why all of this complicated underwear. That's true. Right? Like yes. if, if if you just took the underwear off, then all underwear would just be sort of bloomers. Right. But you get the complicated underwear and then you have the you, you get this cake and eat it too situation. Like, yeah, but no, if, no. if you want if you want to be a, a cake that somebody could eat so to speak, you're going to have to come up with some kind of a, a cleft or something. You're going to have to come up with some way to have a slice cut out of the cake where somebody could get to you in a way that they could eat you. You're talking about a workaround. Sure, sure. Well, mm-hmm. think about think about all of the ways that the, under, the increasingly modern underwear is just a workaround. 
Well, because the thing is, you get something that, as clunky as what has been called crotchless panties. I don't know who wants these things. No, that's a terrible that's... idea. But you can also just look at the idea of uh, I'm going to say the garter belt. The garter right. belt is a way to have fun, fancy underwear that's only kind of really underwear. It's not like you're wearing a swimsuit or something. Well, the garter belt has a the garter belt has a way of keeping your weird pantyhose that was invented before elastic. Yeah. That was the sort of functional thing that became increasingly fetishized. You know, it went from being a girdle to being this weird set of ropes. <laughs> and now, who wears a freaking garter belt except as a sex device? Right. And garter belts are very confusing for people because they don't, they don't look good on many people. Well, and they're very confusing to wear. Like I have seen uh, people, this is just, I mean, I've, I've known a lot of people. Sure. Uh, who believe that the garter belt is meant to be fastened sort of above the belly button somewhere at the narrowest part of the, of the, uh, of the waist. That's, a, that's an unusual look. Which is not where they belong, and mm -mm. It, they look very much more like a girdle or bloomers. Or it would look more of, like a bra that fell down. If you weren't uh, that high, yeah, they look like tripods from the book Tripods. Hmm. Um, of is a that white a sex mountains. thing? Is that white a sex mountains. thing? Yeah, it's, it, it is. The, what do you think those things were? Tripods. Tripods from white mountains. Is that a big penis joke? No. Okay. No, that's a. That's like a. I mean, basically all of all of contemporary science fiction comes from the movie Tripods, or the book Tripods. Okay. All right. White I'll, I'll look that up. Tripods, White, white Mountains. Okay. Um, but so garter belts, in my estimation, are meant to be worn, you know, down on the hip. Yes. This is just a little advice I'm giving to our listeners. Who you can are, save people a lot of frustration. Who are in New Zealand and all of their underwear is made out of sheepskin. But, um, or I'm sorry, sheep fur, not sheepskin. <laughs> We're not animals. Gross. Uh, but there should be the, a mnemonic for that, for remembering which one's for underwear and which one's for condoms. Yeah, right. The underwear, yeah, uh, red skies at night, uh, uh, skin underwear. Right. Uh, uh, red, red, skies red skies at morning. Uh, she breaks up with you because you gave her garter belt for Christmas. That's the mnemonic. I, 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 given gar I gave a garter belt once. Did you really? Yeah, she was a real good sport about it. But it was before I learned about people. Mm -hmm. And women in particular, and it, I might—I don't know what—I might as well have—I might as well have gotten her a penis pump, mm. like you know, Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's like going into a store and buying your girlfriend spanks. <laughs> right. I, I, I was in a store not very long ago. And I was Just like, get her, a, get her a broom and some diet pills. Yeah, it's like it's like Christmas time. What what about these spanks? And every woman in the store, uh, like six different people, two of them working in the store, and four of them just customers. They all turned around at once and they were like, do not buy anyone Spanx. <laughs> right. I was like, really? I keep hearing about it. They're, they're on TV. And they all said, they all agreed, listen, Spanx are things that a woman buys herself. They're she, not yeah, she, she wants them. She gets it for, for I mean, the same way you wouldn't give her tampons. Not, not the same way, but a similar way of like, you know what? If they, that's something I might need that I can do on my own. Yeah. And uh, it feels a little weird for you to give me that. My, uh, my wife one time, uh, a, a mother of a boyfriend of hers, gave her towels and, uh, towels and soap for Christmas. Ooh. And to this day, we continue to argue about whether that was a passive-aggressive gift. Yeah, that feels pretty mean, right? Yeah, you know my wife is very clean. You would only do that to be cruel. Right. Oh, like, why monogrammed? would you give someone, why would you, I mean, and she's like, no, they were really nice soaps. I'm like, still, I would yeah. never give anybody soap and a towel for Christmas. I mean, I, I, I think it's the towel that turns it into an insult because I have, <laughs> I've been buying, for the last several years, I've been buying like $24 bottles or uh, bars of soap 
that smell like uh, Franz. If you know what people like, that can be a nice gift. Yeah, you buy them a nice... But like a candle. Put, a candle can be a real fuck-up gift if you don't know what you're doing. But if you know that person... Like me, I enjoy the smell of lemon verbena. If you give me something that smells like lemon verbena, I'm a happy camper. Mm-hmm. But don't give me well, a towel. The thing about lemon verbena is it makes it seem like you're camping because it smells like mosquito repellent. I know. It's so nice. Now put on uh, this garter belt. But so the thing about... The th- number one confusion about garter belts, I think, is do you wear the panties on the inside or do you wear the panties on the outside? Is that even but, a question? It is. It's a big question. Because... Hmm. Panties on the outside looks dumb, but you right. can take your panties down to go to the potty. Sure. Panties on the inside look better, but in order to get the panties off, mm. you have to have a master's degree in engineering. Yeah, that's like an Escher thing. Like that, that, yeah, I see what you're saying. So, what, so there are lots and lots of people in the garter belt community that say, you got to wear the panties on the outside, otherwise it's not functional. Otherwise, it's just like some kind well, of. Well, if you're a person who, if you're a person who is wearing the garter belt because it makes you feel sexy, and it makes you want to do sexy things while you're wearing it, then you could choose to have the panties on the outside, and that's a very forward-thinking sort of decision. I think giving somebody too many notes, especially as your partner, right. on the order in which they should put on their underwear, yeah. you can run into trouble. Well, sure, because if you if if you are seeing sexy undergarments for the first time, and the first thing out of your mouth is, "How do you go to the potty?" Yeah. That's That's always my first question. Yeah, that's not going to be, that's not a a mood enhancer. Right. Unless you're from Germany. I was, I've been avoiding it this entire time. I've been utterly avoid, I've been avoiding it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Because everything we're saying here goes triple for Germany. It's low, it's low hanging fruit, which is another thing in Germany they're very interested in. Oh, like nice and long. They call it a lemon party. (laughs) They call it a lemon verbena. It's, it's uh, but they say it with a German accent. So this is all very, it's all for many, many years. Oh, so let me tell you one yes. time, mm-hmm. one time when I was, uh, when I was very grungy, I, uh, back in the day when all of my jeans were over dyed. Do you remember that time? There was a, there was a you time in the nineties. Su- super dark. No, you'd take a pair of jeans, like a normal pair of jeans, yeah. but then you'd put them in the washing machine with a canister of writ dye. So they were like green or blue. Oh, yeah. Well, I, think I, do. Blue. I think I do remember this. Yeah. Yeah. Like you'd put, you'd put some green writ dye in with your Levi's and then somehow you had green Levi's and that was really, that was a cool thing. And I had a lot of over dyed clothes, Jean, like a jean jacket that had, had a brown bottle of brown writ dye i'm seeing this and again you can get yourself some hege from it <coughs> oh you get killer hege but it's mm-hmm. like and i had a pair of jeans i had a pair of levi's that lasted me 20 years because they had been over dyed and even though the dye made no difference right it's not like it added a layer of fabric but i was convinced that the fact that these had been over dyed meant uh, somehow had some uh, effect on them so that they lasted for 20 years which a pair of jeans should not but so I was schlepping around in my overdyed jeans and my big Carhartt jacket and my, you know, my uh, hoodie on top of a hoodie. And, <laughs> and uh, at that point, you know, my soul patch was down on the, dragging on the ground like Thorn Oaken. <laughs> you had an Oaken, oaken beard? Yeah, I'm a hoe and I want a while. <laughs> and I'm walking, up this, I'm walking up a hill in Seattle and there's a, there's a, a gal in front of me who's, a, who's my age, right? She's 25. And she's dressed impeccably, like, like downtown business. And her her pencil uh, skirt, oh. which has 
uh, which is like gray flannel pinstripe, is just, it's business, right? But it's just, I would say, mm-hmm. one quarter of a millimeter short. short, Too short for business. Not too short for me. Mm-hmm. Just right in the zone. Mm-hmm. She's wearing a little uh, business outfit and, she's, and she just looks in, uh, just amazing. And she's walking ahead of me up this hill. And I'm like, what? In what world does a person like this exist? Because I'm down here, Shamalama Hay, and I'm thinking that I'm at the top of the game of being 25. How much more top of the game of being 25 is there? Right. And, but she's in this other world, and we're walking up the hill, and then, you know, and she's in high heels, obviously, and she increases her pace just a little bit. She's completely unaware of me. And I catch a glimpse of the fact that she is not wearing pantyhose, she's wearing stockings. Ugh. And they are. Well, there's a time in my life that would have, that would have taken me down for a couple of weeks. Well, and this is the thing. They had little clips on them. Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, and it's not like her skirt hiked up or anything. It was just like this, just the slightest glimpse. You see that the dark band of the top of the stocking and then just for a second. And I had to stop. I stopped, I stopped walking. I took a knee. Mm-hmm. And here it is now, uh, 20 years later, I'm still talking about it. Not to everybody. I'm talking about it in my own head. Oh, I've had those. I've, I still have some of those in my mind right now. Like, what the, what, who was she? What other What other world was she living in that I, that, and all of a sudden I looked down and my overdyed jeans just turned to ashes. She's Conrad Lawrence and you're the duck. I'm the freaking duck. You're the duck. You imprinted on her. So, and I have no idea. One, one time in this same era, I was standing on a street corner and a guy walks by me, uh, you know, handsome guy, my, about my size, walks past me, and he was wearing some sort of uh, parfum of some sort. And mm-hmm. as he walked past, and I caught a, I caught a whiff of his parfum. I was like, oh, I want to fuck that guy, mm. and I didn't know what I didn't know how to process it. So I started following him, and I was like, All right, I don't want, I don't know what to do now. I really want to have sex with this guy, which isn't typically my. Uh, uh, like sex pointer, yeah. But something about his parfum. Something, some. This is you know this. Uh, it's Equus. Moments uh, snap together like magnets. So I followed him until you're much it, less interested in trying to explain it to yourself than you are in going like, where do I get that the fellow with the parfum? Yeah, I had no interest in explaining it to myself. I had every interest in following him until some sort of uh, sort of rendezvous could be arranged. Yes, but then it was obvious that now I'm just following him. Yeah. And that seems weird. But I have wondered and wondered, so I broke off. I veered. You know, I was mm-hmm. like sure. disengaged is what I did. They, you know, they, he flew back over, over Libya and I, you know, had to avoid the airspace. And I yeah. went back to, I went back and I did a flyover and, and spilled the coffee of the guy that's driving the boat. Hmm. He said, damn that maverick. <laughs> Welcome to 